0: This episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World is brought to you by Taskin, the first name in ultra-stylish, premium-quality travel gear, like the exquisitely designed Taskin One expandable backpack. With nine practical variations, the Taskin One is always the right size for wherever life takes you next. Save 30% on your next purchase when you use the promo code R&RTake30. That's r R&R and Take 30 at Taskinsf.com. Next up, on an all-new Rick and Rick.
1: One suicide squad snuffs out another, flatlining the summer box office.
0: And it all starts right here, right now.
1: On the one show where everybody walks around with big Rick energy.
0: <laughs> and everyone uh, rules the world.
1: Hey, welcome one and all to an all-new episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World, the show that's chock-full of news and views from the worlds of marketing, media, tech, and pop culture. I'm Rick Matheson, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend Gina Lola brigida I mean, Rick Wooden. How you doing, Rick? <laughs>
0: I'm good. I'm good.
1: So, kicking off radar this week, Rick. So, you saw Suicide Squad. I saw Suicide Squad. What'd you think?
0: Yeah, you know, I I uh, I was uh, pleasantly surprised. I heard a lot of uh, a lot of hype coming out around this, uh, both good and bad. By the way, I mean, I I think uh, a couple of media outlets. I think Mashable was one of them. Kind of. Um, slammed on it a little bit just basically saying that you know it it failed in the box office uh but I, i'll tell you everybody i know streamed it on on uh, hbo max and uh so far i i haven't had anybody say no they didn't like it so so i finally uh, i finally broke down last week and i watched it unfortunately i watched it in segments uh, like a half hour at a time i was just wherever i could steal a half hour i watched it over the course of three or four days. And uh, I enjoyed it, but I I felt like I missed a lot. So I went back and I I watched it again. Uh, I started last night and finished it um, just before the show. And uh, man, you know, I, I really enjoyed it.
1: Just to sort of set the stage, we are talking about The Suicide Squad, some kind of, I don't know, reboot to the movie Suicide Squad from a couple years back. It's from director James Gunn. He directed, I think, both of the Guardians of the Galaxy. So this is a DC property starring Viola Davis as a Black Ops leader named Amanda Waller. Margot Roby as, of course, Harlequin. John Cena as a psycho-nationalist peacemaker. Joel Kinnaman as military leader Rick Flagg. Well, Sylvester Stallone as the voice of an amazing rendition of King Shark and many more. They are Task Force X. They're the secret team of supervillain prisoners from Bell Prison sent in to do covert operations in exchange for 10 years off of their sentences. The catch is, I guess if they fail, but for sure if they bail... Amanda Waller will explode the bombs injected at the base of their skulls, thus the Suicide Squad moniker. I thought this was fun. I barely remembered the original. There are some similarities because I seem to remember the first one involved something destroying a big city, but uh, this one's different because it's Starro the Conqueror. So, Anybody who is a DC Comics fan knows that in current mythology, Darkseid was the impetus for the creation of the Justice League of America. Well, in the first appearance of the Justice League, the impetus for the creation of the team was Starro the Conqueror, which is a giant starfish. This is a crazy movie. To me,
0: it seemed like kind of an interesting intersection of, you know, something like, uh, you know, the the original you know kind of suicide squad but also it it, to me it felt like it was really channeling deadpool from the marvel universe so some of that some of that comedy some of that you know uh you know kind of characters breaking out and having hilarious conversations and so i felt like it took uh, a couple elements for a bunch of different things and brought it together in a way that just worked and like you said uh, you know the uh uh, King Shark. He was hilarious. I mean, there were so many scenes that he ended up winning over <laughs> just by being in the frame. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so anyways, yeah, I was I was pretty impressed yeah. with it. I
1: literally thought it was Vin Diesel channeling Sly Stallone doing the voice of King Shark, but it was in fact <laughs> Sly Stallone and his delivery is awesome, but how they, I don't know, the motion capture whatever. This is the best rendition of King Shark that I have seen. I was skeptical they'd be able to do it well. The fly- TV show has had King Shark on it a couple times and it was decent, you know, for TV, but nothing you could, you knew you were looking at, you know, hey, it's the best they can do it. This one was really, really good. Yeah the way that he fit into all the scenes. Yeah. The camera's very kinetic in the movie. There's yeah. a, a lot of comedic elements. And for me, it reminded me at first, which is okay, but I consciously thought about it. It seemed like they were channeling the boys from Amazon Prime oh, yeah. in the beginning of it. So picks up with the Suicide Squad going in on a secret ops in Cordo Maltese, I think is the name of the island, which is very big in DC Comics. And as we learn, the characters are after a old uh, Nazi outpost where they captured Staro, which is this giant starfish. He looks ridiculous, but cool. He's technically not a starfish. He's an alien that just happens to look like what we associate with the starfish. With this giant eye and the ability to shoot out the extensions of itself, smaller starfish that land on people's faces and essentially kill the people uh, and take over their minds. I think all the people were dead, right? After after they were liberated from the starfish, I think they yeah. were all
0: dead. Yeah. yeah. However, the the little starfish take over, they, they end up killing the host. Yeah. So they are dead bodies that are being controlled by the starfish. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so he, these are not little other starfish. It is all starro. Now, I don't know what happens if they normally would fly back into starro or not. It's kind of gross the way they came out of the folds. But tremendous mental power. He can take over minds and he is very tough to beat. And in fact, like I mentioned, in the original comics, it took the formation of the Justice League to uh, stop him before. He is considered one of the the biggest villains. So that that by itself was fun to see here. And yeah. then King Shark, the effects were great there. One thing that somebody pointed out is he was Superman level invulnerable into this. So people were wondering, Amanda Waller gets the, the bomb to the base of his skull. How did they pierce his mm. skin? And then I thought, well, maybe they didn't. Maybe they just told him it's there because <laughs> he's so dumb. <laughs> it's true.
0: It's true. Actually, you know what? There's the scene towards the end where they, uh, you know, they're they're all about to be, you know, blown up, and so she's got a control panel. And I can't remember if I saw him on that control panel or not.
1: Yeah, I don't know. And we should mention for listeners too. I mean, as you would imagine, King Shark. This is a uh, half man, half great white shark. He's essentially a demigod, right? The uh, son of the shark god or something yeah i don't believe he's alien i think he is a me- yeah a metahuman that's
0: exactly what they said i thought that was kind of weird
1: and so he is very large very heavy set super powerful but he's got you know two legs and hands and you know arms but a shark face and head and uh how he keeps his balance <laughs> i have no idea he's kind of like a, a squatter hulk yeah in some ways
0: yeah yeah you know what I, I i thought that for a moment i wondered if he was the analogy of, you know, the DC version of the Hulk or not, but I just, I wasn't sure how big of a character he was in the DC universe.
1: Yeah. He's become larger in the last couple of years, probably the last, I don't know, half dozen years. I mentioned to you that I guess in the mythology now, John Constantine, the superhero with the magical powers, he apparently went out with (laughs) Kingfish. They were an item for a while. And uh, so that's been used for comic relief in a lot of the animated shows and people are like, wait, what? You were with him. That's awesome. So he's an interesting character. Now, what I thought was the character only said shark shark, kind of like Hodor on Game of Thrones. But here he did have some limited, you know, it was num num for eating something, you know, another human or something. And then friend. Uh, he, he, He had a limited vocabulary, but much larger than I understood the character to be
0: true. And in the beginning of the show, he pointed at his hand and said, hand. So he, he actually had quite a vocabulary. Yeah.
1: yeah, Much more than, than I thought. I don't know that he's the equivalent of the Hulk. There's a character that always struck me as the version of the Hulk for DC is a character called Solomon Grundy. He was a character created, I don't want to say 1940, and he essentially is the Hulk, but he's undead, extremely powerful, interesting. is not a living thing. And it creates interesting storylines because, you know, he has to be stopped by you feel for the guy because he can't remember if it's a curse or something but he wants to be gone and he can't and so uh he's probably about the i don't know if he's as strong as the hulk but he's very much like that character
0: so so we, as i was going through the show they had you know harley quinn they had bloodsport peacemaker uh whatever it was something rat too they they had king shark now were these major players in the dc universe or are they kind of pulling out lesser known characters to bring into this
1: a little bit of both. So obviously Harlequin, uh, is some of the big players, but, um, there were several characters that I believe are created just for this. Usually the expendable, you know, the ones that got killed a couple of that. I looked up afterwards that I was unfamiliar with. I thought it was brilliant. And it really was a character was the Mongal. So the character I'm familiar with is called mongal must be her dad, but there's he's an alien enemy of Superman, but apparently this Mongal is in the comics. I'm trying to think, uh, the weasel guy I think was unique to this. Uh, that was James Gunn's brother, I think, playing during the motion capture for that. Ratcatcher, I believe, is in the comics, but I think in this movie was Ratcatcher 2. At first, I was like, WTF, like, okay, so she controls rats or whatever. What I liked about the movie was in the way that The Boys does too, but does it over extended play several hours, was it was over the top violence in this movie, but somehow you really kind of came to feel yeah. something for. Her. Ratcatcher and Bloodsport and a couple of the characters. And I really liked the way Amanda you know, was calling him a leader and he's like, I'm not a leader, blah, 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 blah. And then there's that moment right. in the movie where he becomes the leader. Like all the cookie crumbs dropped throughout the movie. He pulled it all together and got everyone to be able to do what they needed to do when they needed to do it. That was fun. John Cena was great. He's in the Fast and the Furious movies and of course he's a wrestler but I read this funny interview with Joel Kinnaman. So he was the guy from Altered yeah. Carbon. He he is brick in this thing where he was talking about, you know, these guys have to get really pumped up before these movies. And uh, he really was like, okay, I'm going to get yoked. And he was all proud of himself until he saw John Cena come in the door. He was like, oh, F me. And then he thought, okay, well, you know what? He's chunkier. I'm going to be able to move really, really well and kind of you know do all these action scenes and stand out that way. And then John Cena proceeds to do the splits. Oh yeah. He said, I do this <laughs> scene where I've got my shirt off and- 30 seconds later, John Cena's in the scene with just his underwear. Yeah. And he was like, forget it. I wanted to, like, show off my body, and it's, he's completely upstaged me. I thought that was pretty funny.
0: Okay, but but John Cena was in tighty whitey, so I'm not sure that was, like, the sexiest situation.
1: Yeah, no, I was weird, but didn't didn't Kinnaman turn and say, why are you in your underwear? Or whatever. Like, it was so out of place. That's exactly
0: right. Yeah, one of my favorite actors is uh, Idris Elba, and, uh, you know, when he, he came in as uh, Bloodsport, I, I kept going back and forth because I couldn't remember in the first movie, was, was it Deadshot or Blood or Bloodsport? And I think it was Deadshot. I don't think he's he's reprising the same character. I think this is a different one, right?
1: I believe you're right. Yes. I believe Will Smith played Deadshot and this is Bloodsport. Yeah, I don't know anything about that character. I really love the rivalry and the way it all played out in the end between um, John Sena and Tim. Uh, you know, the sort of one-upsmanship and, you know, I liked when yeah. he says, you know, nobody gives a f- he goes. They do if it's super cool. And he turns. Goes. Damn it. He's ready. Right.
0: <laughs> that, that was a great scene. There were so many great scenes, though. I mean, you talked about the 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 one where John Cena comes out in his underwear, and you know that whole scene. That was amazing. You know where King Shark was about to eat Ratcatcher two. And it's like, what are you doing? You don't eat your friends. I don't have friends. <laughs> I mean, they just did such a great job with the dialogue yeah, and the play right. off
1: each other. Yeah, really, really great. And I am I, I'm impressed with Stallone. You know, he wasn't in that suit. He wasn't on the set. He was delivering these lines probably months after they'd done production. You know, you really believed that character. I think that was one of the most amazing motion capture uh, characters I've seen in, in movies yet. Now, what's interesting because, you know, we're in a pandemic. I'd read that the movie uh, did something like 4 million on the Thursday night previews and that it's projected to earn 30 million domestically and 70 million worldwide. But then there was this article that you sent over about how may not have done as quite as well in the movie theaters this weekend because people aren't going to the movie theaters Yet. i was so close to going to the movies to see it yeah too. yeah you know i would have too
0: uh if it wasn't on hbo so it, i i think it's a little more complicated than what they're saying um you know it being on hbo gave me gave me yeah. access to it and anyways so i i think it was a couple yes, things no, that's true. Uh, but they they only earned 26.5 million in the opening weekend so you know for wow. a big blockbuster like that that's not too much however you know of course they they did you know stream on hbo and a lot of people probably signed up for that or at least retained their subscription for it so there is a there is a much larger number that this probably uh generated yeah it's going to be difficult to measure this film or black widow and understand how the two play off each other uh because you know they're part streaming and then they're they're part not streaming now disney did a little bit different where just because you have disney doesn't mean you get the movie you actually had to pay in a, still a little bit of extra in order to watch the movie on Disney Plus. Uh, but that wasn't the case right. here. So we'll see.
1: At least Disney Plus will have a dollar figure directly attached to it. I'm sure this did help drive subscriptions to HBO Max.
0: Now, you know, we, you and I have a love-hate relationship with Rotten Tomato. Um, you know, sometimes we agree with them, sometimes we don't. But I'll tell you, one thing the things I found surprising about this is that uh, you know the the reviews by the professionals gave this movie a 91% on on the tomato meter, which is pretty fresh, right? Wow. So that's that's a really good rating, and the audience score uh, with you know more than a thousand people actually agreed they gave it an 84, uh, which is pretty high for for the um yeah. for the tomato meter so it's kind of kind of cool yeah. to see that uh, a lot of people really enjoyed this and again i think it's the chemistry there's just amazing chemistry between the cast now you we mentioned black widow a minute ago have you seen all the the you know hubbub that's been going on about that
1: Well, about the lawsuit, the economics of these things change dramatically. These actors get a percentage of literally box office. So it's not just how well it does or how much money is made, it's specifically how well it performs in the Cineplex where they're getting a big chunk of their payday. So that's a tough one. I haven't read a huge amount of details, Basically, it sounded like the same story as what happened with Wonder Woman 1984 with director Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot, but it sounded like Disney's response to it was throwing its weight around.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure that everybody's being played up as a villain. And so, yeah. you know, what for? I, I take some of that with a grain of salt. But at the end of the day. You know, they they did have a contract with Scarlett Johansson for a theatrical-only production of this. And obviously, things got forced to go in a different way. And while other studios renegotiated with their their actors and actresses, Disney chose not to. And they released the movie um, and, and left the same contract in place. And I'm sure in the end they'll make her whole, but, you know, it's kind of a... It's kind of a weird one that they didn't choose to renegotiate the contract ahead of time like other studios have so i i I think in this case I, i think she's probably in the right it's kind of silly that you know, she didn't, I mean, they didn't try and negotiate with her ahead of time to change the terms, considering they had changed the terms and how they were going to, you know, distribute the film. Yeah, we'll see. It
1: seemed like an unforced error, even a uh, gesture to her would have yeah, been, exactly. you know, I, I think in the court of public opinion, I think people are going to fall on, on her side and it's, you know, it's Disney and now they're so powerful. They did because they can, but it doesn't leave a good taste in people's mouth.